0: I'm Brendan Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson
1: Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up because the Aviation Mentors are taking off.
0: Welcome back to another fantastic and amazing episode of Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, we've re- received a few questions about check rides counting as a flight review. So we want to talk about flight reviews. and I know we kind of addressed the check ride thing uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, but a flight review is something that that a lot of people, Forget all about because if you're just doing flight training, you're going to be getting new ratings or you're going to be getting kind of flight reviews with line checkmen and things like that at the airlines when you eventually get there. But if you're just a private pilot or an instrument rated pilot or even a commercial pilot doesn't fly for hire, really, um, you're not going to be doing as many check rides or check flights with uh, with people of authority. Uh, So you actually have to do a flight review. Um, Nowadays, the FAA calls them flight reviews. But uh, when I first started, they called them biannual flight reviews or BFRs. And uh, the reason why uh, they are BFRs or biannual flight reviews and now just flight reviews, because you need to do them every two years. It's That will come up on your checkride, by the way. They'll say, how often do you need to get a flight review? Or they'll say, what does it take to be current? I know that's my favorite one. Whenever I'm doing uh, end-of-course exams, I say, what else do you need to be current? And I will continue to ask until they figure out that they need a flight review to be current uh, because everyone forgets about it because they haven't done one yet. So make sure you know that you do need to do a flight review. By the way, you don't have to do a flight review every two years. That's what you mandatory have to do, just like you only have to do three takeoffs and landings, right, Uh, to stay current. But you do not have to do just a flight review every two years. I actually like to do a flight review once a year. I do an IPC and a flight review usually once a year, for myself. Um, I go up with a, with an instructor and I just, I want them to quiz me and put me through the ringer. And I actually tell them to be super hard on me. I want to, I want to know exactly what I'm doing wrong. And trust me when I give other flight instructors, especially ones I've worked with, uh, that opportunity to, uh, to be hard on, on me, they, they definitely don't take it easy. They're like, Brandon, you lost 40 feet. Like oh thanks so much, <laughs> and actually one of our friends Johnny, um, I actually he sent me a picture and he was off by like thirty or twenty feet or something on on an altimeter. I said Johnny, you're way off on that altimeter. I can't believe that you'd send me a picture of you not not flying straight and level, and uh, and then I did the same thing one day. He definitely called me out. It was pretty funny, but uh, but yeah. So you can get a flight review at any time, and uh, and Carson, have you had a flight review yet?
1: You know I was going through my logbook. Because I thought I was getting some, somewhere close and realized that it was actually uh, I was a month over on getting a flight review. And don't worry, I haven't flown since I, I was current. But um, it's been over two years since I've had my private pilot check ride. So I actually need to get one soon, um, especially if I want to go fly again. So my last, uh, my last flight review was my, was my private pilot check ride. Which, you know, as we talked about, uh, check ride resets that clock. Um, but I haven't had a, a flight review yet. So, what should I expect from a flight review?
0: Well, there's actually several documents that um, that tell you exactly what you can expect. Uh, there's an advisory circular 6168 Delta, or sorry, 6198 Delta, uh, that, uh, that was dated on 4 30 2018. That's when the The advisory circular came out. So that tells you the currency requirements and guidance for the flight review and uh, instrument proficiency check. And there's also a document out, which actually I like a lot better. Um, And it's, it's obviously by the FAA, but it's not an advisory circular, so it doesn't have the same legal status, but it really breaks down everything a lot better. It has pictures in it too. So I love books with pictures. Um, I'm like a little kid that way. Uh, But it's all color, and it looks really, really good, and it looks like they actually did it really well. And they actually have it presented uh, via the FAA website, and it says conducting an effective flight review. So although that advisory circular kind of tells you exactly what you need to do, well, if you want to do an effective flight review, you should probably follow this document. So in the table of contents of that document, now everyone says, well, you need to do an hour of ground, an hour of flight. Yes. Are those the minimums? Absolutely. Carson, do you think anybody should do the bare minimum?
1: No, just like uh, the way almost nobody gets their their private pilot in a minimum of 35 or 40 hours.
0: Yeah, part 141 or 61, exactly. That just, it doesn't happen often.
1: Doing the bare minimum almost never is a good thing.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I got my private very low hours and I was an idiot for taking passengers up just like we talked about in that previous episode. So yeah, yeah. you should fly more and get really used to, to different things. Uh, so back to what I was saying. So that document uh, that they actually consider a PowerPoint presentation of conducting an effective flight review, they have a table of contents in there and they have step one, step two, step three, etc. But in the preparation for it, it says you want to manage their expectations. Let them know that they might not get their flight review done in one day. Um, I know I'm working with somebody right now on their flight review, and we got their ground part of their flight review done um, in, I think it took us about two and a half hours. Uh, He hasn't flown in about a year um, or or flown solo in about a year. I think he's flown with some friends and stuff, but that's not the same. Hasn't flown solo or rented an airplane, um, so he got that ground done. Uh, but uh, we couldn't go fly that day, so we set a day to go fly, and we went flying the other day and went and had lunch. And um, although he's he's a fun guy to fly with, uh, we just weren't quite there yet. We weren't weren't able to to get that flight review knocked out. We still had six or seven items that needed some polish for me to be comfortable signing them off for a flight review. So I managed his expectations originally. I tried to explain to him um, that, by the way, you haven't flown in a while. Don't expect you just to get in the airplane. Everything come back to you, especially with all of a glass cockpit when you've flown for 40 years and you didn't have a glass cockpit before. So I told him I managed those expectations. And another one is, is going through a regulatory review. What has changed in the past year or two? Not much has changed in the past year or two, but um, it also asks for a cross-country flight plan. By the way, airspace changes all the time. There's a reason why the uh, the, the charts come out. I think it's every 56 days. I, I could be quoted slightly wrong on that, but that used to be it, it depended where, depending where you were at in the US, it was different timing, but I think it's straight 56 days for every publication now. Uh, but I would have that person do a cross-country flight plan if they are going. If they're a brand new private pilot and and they just went through training and all they've ever used is paper, use paper. If they've only ever used four flight, use four flight or whatever EFB they have. Um, so have them do a cross-country flight plan and review that thoroughly as part of your ground. Which I did with that gentleman as well. Um, I wanted to know about airspace and I really really like hammer airspace on people because that's one thing that will get you in trouble. It's not just being able to land an airplane and doing that safely and being able to manage the engine and all that other stuff. That's really, really the kind of the core of it. You don't want to break airspace. You don't want to accidentally not talk to somebody when you should. So in even step two, it says ground review and it says general aviation security issues. I think that's the one 800 GA secure phone number. And there's actually a, a, Something you can go on. If you work at a flight school, you actually have to go through it. it's from the TSA. Um, weather decision making, risk management, and personal minimums. These are all items that you need to go over, or you should go over in a ground review. And then flight activities is number three, and it says physical airplane, basic skills, mental airplane, systems knowledge. Guess what? I ask a lot of instrument rated pilots that what happens at the P two is over and. Uh, I would love to say that all of them tell me exactly what should happen to uh, to the airspeed indicator, but uh, everyone hymns and haws and tries to give me a sideways answer and never really gets to the point, right? And then the other one they have on there, and they have a separate line for it, um, is aeronautical decision-making, ADM. It's something we've talked about a whole bunch of times, and we keep on bringing it up. We brought it up in the last episode. We brought it up this episode. Heck, we even have an entire episode Uh, for ADM. And I think it's in like our top eight episodes out of 70 or 71 episodes that we have out now. So it's a really important topic and I'm glad our listeners are taking it as a really important topic. And then beyond all of that, it goes through a post-flight debriefing. So debriefing the flight. Um, It also talks about personal minimums and proficiency practice plans and what a training plan should be in the future. And then there's a bunch of other uh, appendices to it as well. So uh, talking about if you're a if you're a CFI like how you should properly conduct these in the future and checklist and the and the three piece for risk management and and so on and so forth but it's a really really great document and uh like I said earlier it's called conducting an effective flight review and if you just google search FAA flight review I believe it's on the first two things on google it's pretty fantastic
1: so aside from staying legal and staying current why are flight reviews important and uh and why can't I just use my last flight with an instructor as my flight review If I'm, you know, doing an hour ground hour flight with an instructor, why can't it count?
0: Well, sometimes it can, uh, depends what you talked about and what you did. Obviously, if it wasn't an effective flight review, then it probably wasn't a good one or should have been signed off as one. Um, but the answer is. You can sometimes, it depends on what you talked about. Um, but why can't you? Because you did not really hit the items that you really need to. If you just flew with your buddy who's a flight instructor and you just him and hod, and you did some steep, steep turns and some stalls and you're like, eh, you're good for another two years. Here's my signature like old timers do. Uh, that's not a good flight review. You didn't talk about airspace and you didn't talk about possible problems that you can have in an airplane. You didn't go through all the emergency procedures and, and things like that. Those are very different um, different things that you're learning. Um, and even if you did go up with a CFI, you probably had a mission or you had a reason that you were going up with a flight instructor that day. Maybe it was just to feel, feel more comfortable in the airplane. It could have been to learn a new maneuver like a chandelle or a lazy eight for commercial maneuver. It could have been w- lots of different things. Um, and it probably wasn't an effective flight review. That would be my answer.
1: Got it. And, uh, and back to why are they important?
0: Uh, why are they important? Because they're going to make you a better pilot and it makes you legal. You got to do it. So there's a big, big reason why it's important. <laughs> if you don't do it, you won't have a certificate very, very much longer. FAA is going to pull that from you.
1: And, uh, and just by the way, are, our flight reviews reported to the FAA or is it kind of on a, on your, on your system until you get ramp checked
0: on system and probably not even on system until ramp checked. It's probably um, on our system until, until you get in trouble and they ask for copies of your logbooks to be honest um i do know of some flight instructors and some pilots who have have had to not surrender their logbooks but um give copies of their logbooks to the FAA and by the way if that happens to you i highly suggest you go get an attorney if the FAA just wants to have a phone call with you after you screwed up with something um that's one thing call the FAA and and own your mistake and and fix it and apologize and and go from there now if they start asking for a whole lot of documentation on on what you did wrong go get an attorney so you don't lose your certificate forever um or for 30 60 or 90 days i mean those are all bad things but yes if if that's the only way this the the fa is going to know if you yeah, it's like a
1: traffic stop versus a search warrant
0: yeah yeah pretty <laughs> much exactly i mean uh you can, you can drive around in your car all day long without a driver's license. Is it legal? No, it's not, not legal. Um, would, would you get caught? No, not until you get pulled over. So it's the same thing. Um, so you always have your driver's license on you, obviously, cause you don't want to be doing illegal things and you're always going to have that flight review done because you want to stay safe, current, and you want to stay legal. Of course.
1: Exactly. That's, uh, that's why I'm happy admitting that I, I don't have a flight review yet, but I also haven't flown, uh, cause I'm going to go get it done. It's just part of being a responsible pilot, and it keeps everybody safe. But as a CFI, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you don't do the same flight review for an airline pilot as you would a private pilot, right?
0: No, but before we get to that point, uh, since Carson doesn't have his BFR done yet, or, or flight review as the FAA now calls it, I'm guessing I'm going to have to go fly with him. That's going to be absolutely miserable. Not uh, for me, for him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, you should enjoy flying with me, uh, getting to spend that quality time with me, but... <laughs> Uh, if I if I remember anything from my, my stage check with you, uh, my end of course stage check, it was going to be a miserable flight for me.
0: Well, just make sure you're not staying up studying all night long and getting up at 4 a.m. to do the flight with me. I uh, because pass it was too that high. stage
1: review. He did.
0: Stage, I put him through case. the ringer on that day, too. <laughs> that was great. So, uh, But as you said, uh, do, do you do the same flight review for an airline pilot, pilot as a private pilot? It depends. Um, does that airline pilot fly general aviation airplanes all the time? Uh, do they fly low flying? Do they go do aerobatics? Do they go fly tailwheel? What, what type of flying do they do? And the real question is you want to ask that person uh, what kind of flying they do. Uh, if somebody just flies around the pattern all, and that's all they do, they fly around the pattern and they go over to the practice area and they come back to the airport and they do 30 minute flights and that's what they do. They don't do anything else. Do you think I'm going to spend hours and hours and hours on cross country planning with them? Probably not. Um, I'm going to touch base on it, obviously. I want to conduct an effective flight review, as the FAA says it. Um, but I'm going to be doing different things with them. Um, also, in that advisory circular, it explains to you that you, you should really focus it on what type of pilot they are and what type of piloting they're doing. Um, if they're flying IFR all the time, guess what? I'm going to do a couple approaches with them. Even though it's not necessary, it's a it's a flight review. It's not a, an IPC. But the people who need the, the flight review, I usually do an IPC at the same time, at least whenever I do them, uh, just because it will, it'll get them current again. for flying IFR and, and really it, it hones their skills, uh, more so than anything. So, uh, I would say the answer, the long answer, long answer, long, right. Is, uh, no, you do a different flight review for those different types of pilots and, and you utilize that advisory circular and the, the presentation from the FAA on a kind of guidance on how to do that.
1: And I'm sure your answer is going to be, be something similar to this, but what should I do to prepare for a flight review? Uh, Not just a flight review with you, which I know is going to be hard, but (laughs) (laughs) a flight review. uh, You know, I just I'm a weekend flyer. I'm a I'm a private pilot. um, And if I have my ATP, am I going to prepare the same way? The same information?
0: Um, I mean it really, like I said before, it really depends on what type of flying you're doing. But for you in particular, Carson, you're a private pilot. You don't quite have your instrument rating yet, even though I think you have all the requirements. I know you
1: give me so much flack for it. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Well, you can give me the same slack for not, uh, not having my ATP done or my ATP written done. I've got that all ready to go. And I just need to go do it. So I know the, I know the feeling and uh, but by the way by the way when I finally schedule that check ride and I go get my my written done for that ATP you better be like on my tail with that instrument rating. You got to be getting you got to get
1: close. I have to. I, I know you're not going to give me a choice. Otherwise, you're going to rub it in my face in the uh, in the intro forever.
0: 100%. I can't <laughs> wait to say ATP rated pilot and Carson. I'm still a private pilot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say for somebody like you, Carson, who's a private pilot and kind of a weekend flyer, once a month flyer, um, I know sometimes you fly more than that. But I mean, in general, it's more like a, a 30, for, 30 hour a year pilot, right? And that's actually kind of the general Population. If you are a private pilot or just a casual instrument rated pilot, you everyone's goal is fly 100 hours a year. But most people only fly 20 or 30. Um, I know Richard Cavus told me how many hours some of these airplanes come in annual after annual, and some of them come in with a couple hundred hours, which are pretty awesome. But most of them come in with 10, 20, 30, maybe 50 hours on them. So that means the pilots of these airplanes are flying the same amount, right? Um, so I would say to prepare for that flight review. Go ahead and read up on airspace. That's a big one. At least that's
1: one of my biggest ones. Especially in Southern California.
0: Yeah, especially Southern California. Or if you're in an an area with a lot of restricted airspace, like Nevada or Arizona has got a lot of MOAs, um, read about those MOAs. Read about the airspace. Read about what type of traffic comes in and out of your airport. Um, I would review the charts on your airport. Uh, Review the chart diagrams. I know our home airport, Riverside, K-R-A-L, they put in a... Uh, just outside of the taxiway, which actually I don't know if it's published yet. I got to find out. Um, But uh, they've got a... A run-up area now that may or may not be published, but uh, they've got a run-up area that people don't know how to use. I actually had to show somebody actually on that BFR the other day, how to use that run-up area properly and when to use ground and when to use, uh, use tower, like when to to talk to each one of them because it's kind of in a weird place. So those are also things that you would add to a flight review, which I actually did, uh, that I didn't mention earlier, but it's those little things. So try to look up your airport. Um, the, the person who I was flying with, they also, they had like a notepad where they wrote down all the frequencies and they didn't look at a current chart and guess what? They didn't have the current frequencies. Um, the ground frequency at Riverside changed six or nine months ago or something. Um, and he still had the old frequency written down. And if he would have had that in the air or flying by himself, he wouldn't have, talk to the right person wouldn't have gotten anywhere he you know yeah you're right it would have been like something's wrong with the airplane right um no he wouldn't have gotten anywhere he wouldn't have been able to taxi or anything like that so it would have actually caused him possibly to cancel a flight or all sorts of things so um look at the regulations um i would say look at part 91 and 61 or, or whatever the regulation that you you work under um i would also review some of the aim if you're going to a lot of fbo's there's a lot of like hand signals that people do um when you're when you're Taxiing your airplane, you need to know what those marshalers are saying. Are they saying turn right or turn left? Are they saying stop or keep coming? Um, those hand signals are in the AIM if you didn't know. Um, the AIM is actually probably one of the, just, I don't know, side topic, but um, the AIM is probably one of my favorite kind of documents that the FAA has put out there uh, because it gives you so much information. If you look through the AIM, I mean, you can learn a whole lot from the AIM. Um, I've read it uh, twice, actually, uh, one of them in preparation for my CFI and then one after I became a CFI just to kind of know what everything was. But I w- I wouldn't say have to go read the whole aim or the, read the whole far aim like I have. Um, but I would say go touch base on kind of the regulations and and things like that.
1: Yeah. There's some interesting like tips and tricks in the uh, in the aim as well. Uh, but we should probably cover the far aim in a whole nother episode.
0: I fully agree. The Far Am is a huge book, as all of you who are pilots or soon-to-be pilots have seen. I don't know. It's like two or three inches wide. So imagine reading the whole thing.
1: And Yeah, and that book only has how many sections out, yeah. of, uh, out of at least 135 <laughs> that I know of? <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you go to take a flight review, um, are they pass and fail, or is there something in between?
0: Um, there's no such thing as a, uh, a, a fail on a flight review. Um, there's just we didn't finish. Um, so once you quote unquote pass, um, your, your flight review, it's not really a pass or fail. I mean, that's really kind of the wrong way to say it. There's no failing a flight review. Uh, it is not a pass or fail type of thing. It is, did we finish our flight review? And the answer is for the other day for me was no, we did not finish our flight review. We have we're just continuing it. The flight review will be continued until uh, it's completed. So you can complete a flight review and you can get the kind of endorsement for that, or you can just not finish the flight review and you just have to continue uh, working on it. So that's really the difference between pass and fail. Uh, Yeah. If you don't pass, you can be told you need more instruction. Like I've talked about, just like the, the gentleman who I flew with the other day, yeah, if you don't finish your flight review and you're told you need more instruction, um, it does mean that you can't act as PIC until you have your instructor sign off. So if you want to go fly, make sure you go fly with uh, with either a flight instructor or you fly with another friend who's acting as PIC in that airplane. You have to make sure that uh, that you're staying legal and, of course, you're staying safe. Um, staying safe is is more important than being legal. Um, but it is a close tie. Um, I want you to do both and uh, you shouldn't sacrifice either. So make sure you guys are being safe and legal.
1: And for the pilots who are unlucky or maybe even lucky enough to not have Brandon Martini as their instructor, where should they go to find a flight instructor to do their flight review? Because a lot of these people, they, uh, they got their license from their school and moved on or moved somewhere else or just haven't flown in two years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would look up your local airport And, uh, go find, uh, usually the mom and pop flight schools or flying clubs are normally kind of the best place to get a flight review done because you're not in a flight training environment all the time. And a lot of flight schools nowadays are middle size or large size flight schools. Um, they're really focused on the career pilots and they might not even have enough slots, but you can go to any of them and ask. I would go to any flight school that's at your local airport and just go meet the pilots, go look at their airplanes. Um, see how you feel about them. Uh, just if you click or you vibe with that, that particular flight school or flying club, um, ask them if they can do your flight review. And, uh, and like I've said earlier, just don't expect it to be done in one flight, especially when you've uh, not flown in a while. But if you fly all the time, then you can probably expect to be done in, in one flight and one ground lesson. Um, don't expect it to be exactly one hour either um, on the ground or on the flight, it could be 1.1. It could be 1.9. It could be whatever it may be. Um, it, it just is what it is. I know that my flight review flights with somebody who's very current and, and very good. Uh, they're still typically about 1.2 to 1.6. It kind of depends on traffic and stuff. Um, I just conduct it just like I would kind of a stage check or an end of course check, um, with emphasis areas that are conducive with whatever they're flying, um, methods are, or if they're in a particularly not so, not really difficult airplane, but an abnormal airplane to fly. If they're in a, a special twin or something like that, I will custom cater it towards um, towards that particular airplane and and those systems a little bit more than I would like a one seventy two or something like that.
1: That brings me to, to one one other quick question that I, I didn't prepare you for. I'm sorry. Um, if I have my my single engine private pilot license and uh, and my multi engine private pilot license. Can I get a flight review? Does it have to be in both airplanes or can it be in either? that's a great
0: question and by the way Carson doesn't prepare me very well him and Phil are the uh, are the real heroes in this um, they prepare everything and then uh, I review whatever he's come up with about 10 minutes before we record and uh, I hope I have enough knowledge to pull it off so uh, and I usually do too so <laughs> <laughs> no sometimes we, we we give it a lot of thought and you can probably tell which episodes we put a ton of effort into and which ones were we're not fantastic with but uh, um, but we do love doing this for you guys and thank you again for everybody listening to us. Um, but the answer is you can do it in one of the other airplane. It doesn't matter. You can do it as, um, in the multi, or you can do it in the, in the single, uh, you can do it in the seaplane. You can do it in whatever you want. That's just like, if you go get a new rating, like you go get a single engine seaplane rating, it counts as a biennial flight review. Um, just like we talked about before, cause it's a new check ride. But I would say go do it in the plane that you're flying most often. If you fly a Baron all the time, or you fly an Aerostar all the time, or you fly a jet all the time, it does not make any sense to go do a flight review in a 172. Um, if you fly a 172 all the time, but you do have a multi-engine rating, it doesn't make any sense to go do it in a twin um, unless you are planning on flying that twin and you need to get kind of current again and and in the um kind of in the the realm of of flying a twin again, you, you should probably do the flight review in the twin. Then Uh, that way you are ready to fly that airplane and you are prepped and ready uh, because you're going to have go have to get current again in that airplane. You might as well do it with a flight instructor. It's a little safer. You've got a little input in there. And, uh, and then you'll have a a better experience when, especially when you take your passengers up, like we talked about last episode.
1: Yeah. You know, flight reviews, um, although I haven't done them yet, I, I know they're really just an essential part of your aviation career. And they make sure that you're able to keep yourself safe, your passengers safe, and everyone on the ground safe. And like we talked about, you don't have to do a flight review only every two years, uh, although you legally have to. Doing a flight review is a great habit uh, that you should probably get into anytime you haven't flown for a period of time or you haven't flown with another pilot pilot, or another CFI in a little while. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I know a lot of, uh, a lot of flight schools and flying clubs, they actually have a, uh, some of them have Two week currency, 30 day currency, 60, 90 day currency kind of depends where you fly. Um, I think if you haven't flown, if, you, if you're not, if you're just a weekend flyer and you haven't flown in 90 days, uh, you should definitely go up with an instructor before taking friends and family up. And depending on your kind of experience level, I would say even after 30 days, you should probably go up with an instructor or go by yourself first before you go take people up. Um so doing that flight review, by the way, is uh, is a fantastic way to hone your skills, uh, even learn some new skills. Uh, I know I've done, uh, I did a flight review, one of my first flight reviews several years ago uh, with a pilot and uh, I went over things that he said he's never heard before, which was really it wasn't surprising just kind of knowing how long the gentleman was flying for uh, but it was really kind of a, a a cool experience knowing that hey i'm i'm informing a pilot who's been flying three times as long as i have um on just new things that are happening in aviation and i think during that particular one adsb was was pretty new and it wasn't even required yet but i, I was able to tell him exactly where adsb was going to be required and how um the airspace was um Everyone thinks that ADSB was required everywhere, but it's really not. And in most of the airspace that he flew, and most people still fly, uh ADSB is technically not required and not to be reliant on for flight and your stratus on on telling you where all the traffic is, because all the people who are using ADSB in and out, they probably already um they're using it and they're doing the right thing. And all the people that aren't are probably the ones that you should be worried about, to be honest. So just talking about things like that as your your flight review, those are little things that you'll learn um, over time. So make sure you take that flight review really seriously. And uh, and like Carson said, you you don't have to wait every two years. You can go get one once a year or or whenever you really need it. Uh, so I would highly suggest, if you haven't had a flight review in a while or it's been a little close, go check your logbook. Make sure you're not like Carson and, and missing out on uh need to get that, that flight review done. So
1: At least I wasn't flying without a flight review.
0: That is a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get an earful from me if that happens. So you need to update your foreflight and put that in there. Anybody uh, who's on here, if you don't have a digital logbook like me, um, I'm still old school paper. I actually have reminders in my phone that go off um, on my calendar. So I know when I'm current on uh, on different things on on takeoffs landings IFR biannual um, flight review all that stuff. So that's what I do, uh, Carson. I'm going to highly suggest you do that so you never get yourself in trouble. Yeah, I agree, and have to hear an earful from me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thanks again, Carson, uh, for uh, for for coming up with this great idea today, and uh, thanks, Phil, again for uh, for for putting this uh, episode together and uh, making sure it's a, a success for us. So as always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us uh, via uh, emails, preferred, Brandon at AviationMentors.com, or you can reach Carson, Carson at AviationMentors.com.
1: And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. See ya.